Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Hibachi in Season 3. We are a weekly dinner party that watches and discusses an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm an artist, a nerd, and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanbal of the three. And before we get started, I just really wanted to send a message on SoundCloud out to username Pat Hurd, who gave us this comment on our last episode. I never heard of him. <laughs> I wonder if it's a woman. Oh, Please let us know. Yeah. And her, uh, her, his got her a message comment? said, loving your Hannibal discussions, but sad that we only have a few more to go. Aww. As are we. So we were just discussing how, like, because we're going away on a few trips, and we were discussing how we're going to film. They're all leaving yeah. me in this city. <laughs> amazing stuff. <laughs> it wasn't not planned. But yeah, that's why we couldn't record uh, earlier this week, because I had the flu from my last trip, so, like, it's not fun. Don't shake people's hands. That's what I took away from that. <laughs> or take well, a lot of them don't hands. even wash their hands. Especially, especially men. Especially men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Pat Hurd for that lovely comment. I was really happy when I saw it. Is that, like, one of our first comments? I think, uh, I... we have a few more. Let me try. <gasps> what? You didn't tell me we have comments. I think, like, I've deleted the ones that were just like hey check out my my music oh. profile and stuff like that <laughs> but yeah i think that's one of the cooler ones that we've gotten like uh, we also got like uh reviews on our itunes stuff that was really cool like just really liking, liking the, well look those up too well, yeah, was it, yeah i do recall that actually you said we got like one or two uh mm-hmm. reviews on itunes itunes yeah. well reviews. just read them again because hold on let me pull that <laughs> you gotta feed our egos yeah. <laughs> Shadows Wolf 80 on iTunes. Insightful, funny, and altogether a delightful podcast by three lovely ladies. It's great to see this show through new eyes, and the true crime segments are fantastic. Thank you, I didn't write that. Definitely a must listen if you're a fan of Hannibal. Uh, from listener Lizzie Bibbs, Izzy Bibbs, I think is how she's saying. The reviews for each episode are so much fun and interesting, especially with the crime segments. Again, I didn't write this. <laughs> but thanks, everybody. Like, I think our most popular episode on SoundCloud is the one we did on Steven Stainer from uh, season one. Mm. And the most popular one on iTunes, I think, right now is our uh, Catherine, uh, our Homoka episode. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool to see what people are interested in. Hmm. So thanks for listening. (laughs) But back to the the things at hand. So if I sound a little phlegmy, you know why. We're also eating chocolate almonds, so if you hear crunching, I'm sorry. It's not the great thing to pair with the (laughs) the Moscato wine we're drinking. I don't care. (laughs) It's like I'm I'm living decadently. Mm. So this week we watched (laughs) And the Woman Clothed with the Sun, which first aired in Canada on July 30th, 2015. Oh my god. Yeah, so I, w- like, I didn't write a sum up for this episode, but I was really attracted to Hannibal this week. His hair is really nice. Really? I thought he was creepy in this <laughs> in episode. Well, I really like the way that his jumpsuit looks tailored. Like, yeah. like it's really fitted on his shoulders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the discussion about Hannibal trying to give Will a child makes me want to throw up in horror. Like, leave him alone. <laughs> it's like, I tried to give you a child, and I'm like, oh. If you were <laughs> Again, like I said, I, uh, well, I said it before we started recording. I'm gonna be all alpha, beta, omega in this episode, just so everybody knows. And I will be horrified. <laughs> but I really like the acting choices Mass makes in that scene where he's talking to Will. Um, he walks closer to the plastic to get Will to stay, and I like that. Plus, the mirror thing they do always amuses me. Like, I really love the acting choices. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that when Will said that he was um, don't want to be like personal with Hannibal, he actually like paused for like a long time. Like, it really like affected him uh-huh. that he said that. And like the fact that they have this barrier in front of them must be hard as an actor to like get it through. Like, because you can't just like if your goal in the scene is to make them stay. And you have a barrier, like a physical barrier now, that would be so hard. So just the fact that he can make Will stay by approaching the glass was pretty cool to me. I really like that. Mostly it's my acting training talking. So. Well, that's the thing, right? That I actually think that would probably be helpful because you actually do have a physical barrier there, whereas there's also a metaphorical one there. <laughs> I mean, he tried to kill. Uh... <laughs> tried to kill him. So. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, so we get Alana or Alana, Abigail back again. Um, yeah, I was curious I was like, to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, 
Oops, sheesh. <laughs> what can I say about this scene? I thought well, I was well, done with Abby. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel, too, because it's like... Um, like, I know they're, like, you know, they're telling us what actually happened, like, with the whole thing. Like, while it's, like, thinking back to, like, season one, like, I'm like, okay, this is what happened during this scene. Interesting. Mm. But just everything with Abigail and Hannibal is just so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and it disturbs me. <laughs> well, because I wanted to ask you guys, is the scene... Um, is that scene really Abigail, or is it Abigail as Hannibal sees her? Because she looks so creepy in that scene, and Ooh. the way he helps her off the counter is such a childish thing that she wouldn't do in real life, I think. Like, it's really, like, because, uh, like, I mentioned it before about how people see her, we only ever see her through somebody else's eyes, mm. so I was always confused about that. I guess so, because in the first scene, you can see how afraid she was mm. when she, like, asked him if she's he's going to kill her, and then, mm-hmm. like, the next scene, she's like, Totally okay of, like, getting her blood taken out and, like, faking her death. Well, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode where um, I believe it's it's a survival technique uh-huh. where she's just adapting to what the predator in the room wants. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so she like became... Like quote, like, evolve or die. Yeah. So I think she just became the daughter that Hannibal wants. Yeah. Or, so. or when she's with Will, she's the daughter he wants. Yeah. Or when he's with the, she's with Alana, she's what she wants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, also, that's, and that's part of her charm and her, her like... Her thing to survive is she knows how to adapt to each mm-hmm. person she's with. Mm. And I adore that ancient blood pump Hannibal uses. Always so much style. They use a similar <laughs> one in the film Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I've always loved the look of them. They look so cool. Honestly, like the blood pumping thingy. Mm. I'm doing the hand gestures right now as if the audience can see, but like, <laughs> I like you guys it's just so it. cool. I just love those things. Um, you know what I didn't? What I thought was interesting when you got all her blood. Sorry, I'm eating. <laughs> She faster than it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she didn't appear more dizzy or more lightheaded. Yeah, that's a lot of blood he took. That was a lot of blood he took. <laughs> like, that was like, what? How many, How much blood is in a person? Isn't it something like five? Uh, seven pints, I think. Hold is on. it? Blood in a person. I remember a science teacher telling me one time, he's like, there's five Coca-Cola bo- bottles <laughs> worth of blood of you or inside you or something. And I always mm. remembered something like that. I just remembered, you know, Coke. <laughs> Two liter Coke bottles full of blood. And I was just like... <laughs> your average blood volume is equivalent to 7% of your body weight. So if you weigh to somewhere between 150 to 180 pounds, it's 1.2 to 1.5 gallons. And that looked like a lot that he took out because they only take out about a pint. Yeah, it looked, it looked like he one. took... Yeah, it looked like he took out a pint. Yeah, so like... Well, it's like what they normally take out when you get blood. But still, oh, really? you're, like, you still have to eat cookies and stuff and wait around so you don't pass out afterwards. Because yeah. <laughs> it is a like, traumatic thing. Hannibal better blood. gave her a cookie. <laughs> it's like, you didn't give her a drink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or some orange juice or something. <laughs> <laughs> She's tired. Give her a, uh, like a cloth for her hair. So I guess maybe your theory is kind of right there. Because, you know, she doesn't act dizzy in that scene mm. after. So maybe it was just This is mind. memory. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's like we're in his head again. But uh, what was it? Um, I adore Alana's corporate look. Yes, <laughs> yes. To dress like her. Getting such a crush on her in this season. <laughs> and she reveals that her and Margot have a virgin baby. Aww. And they're still together. Oh, oh it's so cute. Well, she's rich, so I guess that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> but she actually like birth her son. Like she's the mother. Aww. It's, oh, uh, I want to see them. <laughs> Through the whole thing. And I'm glad it's her watching out over Hannibal. Like, I know I mentioned last last episode, like, why would she want that after what she's been through? But I'm like, if anybody could watch over Hannibal, it would be her. Like, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like even though we see later things happen, but I, I think in the movies, um, Chilton's always getting screwed over by Hannibal. Like, Hannibal gets around th- certain things. Like, in this case, in the film, in the movie, in the TV show, at least, they give you legit excuses about why he wouldn't be caught. Because you, could, you can't really record his phone calls you can't really like he still has some privacy as a human being so you can't do a lot of things but mm. yeah like in the movies they seem to make it like crazy it's like oh yeah Chilton who should know better left his pen on the bed or Chilton who should know better like should watch the phone like I'm just like ah he's a serial killer he's always looking for a ways to escape but, uh, <laughs> but Alana's my queen I love her and she and Mario can live happily ever after and her style is so on point mm-hmm. in this season I think she's just doing it to make Hannibal annoyed. It's like, yeah! <laughs> well, I always took it as, uh, I think what the fans call, Dark Alana. 
because after everything, she's no longer the Lana that, you know. She's no that longer died. innocent. Sorry. Yeah, she's lost all her innocence, so it's just a continuation after the whole uh, Mason fiasco and blah, blah, blah. And she's just, she is now this new person, Dark Alana. Which makes me kind of worry, because I'm like, um, can she separate the, because like, the baby she has hmm. is Mason's. Can she really, oh, I guess she's accepted that too, like, because like, it's technically been, we can assume the kid is like, what, two at least, or three? Yeah, what is the time skip? Yeah, yeah, it was, was it three the time skip uh, It's been three years. So okay. I'm assuming it's probably been like, at least, at minimum, at most two one years or and a half, maybe. Yeah, he's probably like two or th- almost. Turning three. Maybe. Yeah, let's say that, yeah. So, like, they ended up, like, because the sperm doesn't last forever, so it's like, they probably got right on it. But, yeah, like, I have no idea. Probably got right on it. <laughs> well, they had to. They got to get that baby out. But, yeah, like, it's always, like, do they consider, I like, I really wanted to, I wish they had more episodes so we could explore what they consider their son to be, like, Margot and Alana's kid or Alana and Mason's kid. Like, I don't know, it's just a weird thing to me, because uh, that's something I really want to explore. But of course they didn't, because we're almost out of episodes. But, <laughs> I don't know, I, I really think they consider it their kid, both Mason and Alana, uh, Margot and Alana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think so as well. Just like, like with any other lesbian couple having a kid, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's just, <laughs> the man's just the seed. Yeah, and he's just there for a purpose, yeah. Yeah, he's only there for one reason. He just so. supplied that ingredient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But as a nerd obsessed with Red Dragon, I'm so happy they're using a lot of dialogue from the book. Mm-hmm. And I love that Hannibal sees the Wendigo in the mirror when he looks in it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> so do you cool. think he actually, like, does he see himself as a Wendigo as well? If he can see himself in the mirror? I don't know. Again, it's like that thing where we're like, is it Will's memory or is it Hannibal's? That was like the weird thing. Oh, yeah. right. So, like, he, but why would he, like, look at himself in his mirror? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> no, 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 you actually do bring up a good point. That is, like, Will's mind. I interpreted it all as Will's mind. Yeah. Because, you know, we're walking through the crime scene. Whose mind are we in right now? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was all Will. The only time we were in Hannibal's mind is when we were in the office. With Abigail? No. Or no, with uh... when they're re- When they're talking, they're, there's one uh, Hannibal sitting at his desk. Oh, right, yeah. Hmm. And then Will's coming in. So I think at one moment there, that might have been Hannibal's, but I still like to think that all of it was Will acting it. And that's what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, so the, uh, sorry, I was trying to get to your point of the the, the reflection. Um, I don't think Hannibal actually sees himself as the Wendigo. That's what Will sees. Yeah. His true form is the Wendigo. Like, can't hide it anymore, so. That's pretty cool. Because I don't think Hannibal has ever mentioned or talked about even anything remotely of Wendigo um, mythology, it's always been something that Will saw. Yeah. And he's never actually called it anything. That's just a visual that we know Will uses. Mm. So I'm pretty sure it's all just Will's mind. And I feel like Hannibal is calling me out as I want to adopt children so I don't pass on like mental or physical illnesses. So stop calling me out, man. Like, I need to show for that. I feel like he's throwing so much shade at Will for like on the family topic. Yeah, like that part annoyed me because like the second he let it slip that he might have had a family, like I don't think he, like I think Hannibal just assumes right now. Well, I think he was just like, you know, just uh, taking a gamble. Do you have a family now? Do you have this? You know, best educated guesses. Mm-hmm. And then when Will doesn't respond, or you can almost see it in Will's eyes. Like, like you saw him, like, kind of give an extra level of defense. Like, like trying not to be rattled, right? Yeah, like that comment when he was saying, like, you're wearing a cologne that a kid would buy. That a child would, would choose, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when Will doesn't respond right away, that's, uh, you know, okay. There's a family there. There's somebody there. Mm-hmm. So. And it's usually the way things work. In, like, uh, police situations, the criminals won't usually go after the cop themselves. They'll go after the family. Like, because it's a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Devious? Not devious. Um, it's a lot, like, you don't, like, because you can only kill one person once, right? If you kill, (laughs) if you kill a family, like, you're, you're living, you're making it worse for them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's something that I really, really enjoy about this episode is just him, like, being so 
oh, like, it's just so cool. <laughs> but I love that line that Hannibal tells him, have you ever seen, like, what blood looks like in the moonlight appears quite black. And I'm like, I want to get that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> and shout out to Hugh Dancy covered in blood while nude in the backyard in the middle of winter. And I was like, eh. I knew you would like that. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> the show has given me a lot of fetishes that I cannot, like, reconcile. <laughs> But I've never keep <laughs> my brain is like um, this show and the video game Bloodborne right now. So it's like a Victorian era <laughs> mess. <in there. laughs> it's like, gotta, gotta balance my humors and stuff. Well, well, like I said, this entire episode has just had me in freaking alpha beta on my head, <laughs> head space. For and those I, that don't know, explain what it is. Uh, well, I think, um, I think some people might know, but how I actually explain well, what it is? Well, I think well, if people like, Read the Hannibal fanfic, still would know. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. up, but yeah. Okay, so, jeez, uh, how do I even explain it? <laughs> Alpha, Beta, Omega, <laughs> Dynamics is uh, a universe in fan fiction where both male and female genders, because the genders don't really matter in the way that we think. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, just the way it sounds. It's kind of um, taken, like, from the same, uh, the old school thought on, like, a wolf pack. There's an alpha, there's a beta, and an omega. And depending on uh, what your canon is, the beta or, or the uh, omega are sometimes are interchangeable. They either are the same thing or one's weaker than the other. And can you only... Um... Uh, have relationships between alphas and alphas and betas and betas or is it like a thing in that happens in fanfic again it depends on the writer but uh, in there yeah it's almost like having a gay couple of an alphas with an alpha and a betas with a beta and all that because they can't children <laughs> which seems to be the main goal that's why i don't like alpha beta mostly because i i i am pregnant to me is always a touchy pregnancy in male characters is always a touchy thing for me in, in slash fiction just because it eliminates the need for women at all which bothers me and i'm just like i don't know why it bothers me i never right? read uh, m like, I used to i'm a little afraid too that's <laughs> pretty uh, when I was going through my first, like, when I was going through puberty and reading all kinds of stuff I could find on the internet, that's when I discovered that I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay, this is too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think far. the only reason I, I like it is just because you can tell a lot of it is written by women. So they're really projecting a lot of those. Um, if some have been pregnant, you can really tell yeah. when they write it. And those who, ha- who have never been pregnant but are thinking of the romanticized version of pregnancy, he can read that too. <laughs> well, that's basically fanfic in general. Like, it, sex it really written is. by people who know what it's like mm-hmm. is always a lot better than sex written by people who have no clue. Like, it always bugs me, and um, I was going to mention this in here, but then I realized uh, Francis was not a not was not a virgin when we met him in this part. Mm. Like, I hate in fanfic where someone doesn't automatically explode in an orgasm right away. It's their first time. I'm like, okay, <laughs> This is obviously written by Virgin. <laughs> so, but it but it, yeah, so just take kind of the, the wolf pack dynamics, mm-hmm. kind of like the animalistic, kind of werewolfy, kind of kind of things projected onto people, but without all the you know fur and you know tails and blah, 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 blah. but anyway, <laughs> so scent, you know, scent, smell, pheromones, you know, all that stuff is huge in alpha beta omega stuff. Um, it's part of compatibility. It's part of you know like mating. It's part of you know. Uh, it's also part of being protective of uh, family. As you, you can also, uh, one thing they always love to do is they can smell when someone is in heat. <laughs> they can always smell when someone's pregnant, and they can smell when they're just dating someone. <laughs> I remember the Golden Girls quote. Um, uh, Sophia is getting like she's getting left behind with Blanche for the week for some reason, and Dorothy's telling her what to do. She's like, "You're making me sound like an animal." And then Dor- uh, Sophia sniffs Blanche, and she's like, "You've been with a man, haven't you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I think. I think. Well, I think most uh, with regular people, you would call that you can smell when someone's had sex, but you'd have to still stand pretty close to them yeah, exactly. to to smell it. But anyway. Um, Right at the beginning, you know, Hannibal smells Will before he even turns around. Yeah, the, the whole yeah. book was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, like he, he does a slight head turn and you can hear him like kind of go, take a sniff. And then he's like, he's like, that's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court, you know. <laughs> and then he smells him and then, and then, uh, and he smells him some more. He's like, you smell like dog pine you know <laughs> like who the hell can smell all that <laughs> like i can smell it like if i was like maybe trapped in a small space with somebody i'd be mm-hmm. like 
I can smell <laughs> someone's perfume or I can mm. smell someone's hair product or and occasionally you can smell someone's BO, you know, so. <laughs> Stuff like him that. like a nice glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, the whole line of, I gave you a child, if you recall. <laughs> Although, it's strange, uh, finding um, uh, an omega slash or beta Hannibal is actually very rare. Everyone loves to make him the alpha. Of so. course, yeah. Like yeah. That's why everybody makes him the top. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't imagine cutesy, like, twinkie boy who dances as the top. Well, isn't there, want him to be so isn't there, like, a, like a, a term called power bottom that's yeah. going around these days? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the way you said that. <laughs> I, I've read both fanfics where Hannibal was... You know, as he was the bottom, he was both. He was one as a power bottom, and one where he was more of a submissive. But uh, you can still tell who was in control. <laughs> I had to look up exactly what that is—a bottom that is to say the passive participant in gay sex who takes charge of a sexual situation, playing a more dominant, aggressive, and commanding role. Sorry, I had to look that up because I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I know what it means. I'm surprised, like nothing, like really raunchy popped up. And then, of course, you know, again, Hannibal, like, kind of kind of gives that metaphorical stab towards Will again, asking him about his 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 um, stepson or stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. I think he's already assumed it's a son. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know better than to breed, to uh, pass on those traits. And I was just like... Again, I feel called Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it goes on. Anyway, <laughs> nice bit. <laughs> but I really love that they bring Breck Freddie, even though they tamed her hair. I really hated that. Yeah, it's oh. not as, uh, not as curly, cool, wily, yeah. right? Yeah, she doesn't look like a Medusa anymore. That makes Still a bitch, though. Yeah. Like, well, it's been like three years, so she might have, like, you know. She's gotten tired of keeping it she up. She fixed her hair a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, like, it was such a bitchy thing to do to take a picture of a guy in the hospital, though. I was like, yeah. no, Frank, yeah. that's low. Yeah. It's like, I wonder how she got in. That was one, one thing. I don't know. Because I imagine he, he, she probably paid off the cops or something. Or I'm wondering if she pulled a... Uh, you know, Kill Bill, what's her name, and came and dressed as a nurse. Kill Driver? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the... The little hat and everything. <laughs> well, at least it's confirmed that Will has a big black box. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to punch Hannibal for insulting Alana's sexuality with that finger comment. Kick him in the balls, because he made a comment about, like... Hmm. Uh, I thought it was just like a lesbian joke. And I was yeah, like, it was a lesbian thing. And I was just like, leave her alone, Hannibal. Jesus, like, stop insulting her. But I'm, um, also, I want to ask uh, did Mass lose weight between arcs? Because he looks noticeably, there's more bone structure in this arc, I've been noticing. Uh, you know what? I don't think so. I think it's just lighting. Okay. Because oh. I was like, he looks skinnier. No, I think it's just lighting. Mm-hmm. Because he already has dramatic bone structure, you really just got to tweak lighting and he'll look. He'll be freaking. Uh, skeleton now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and really all you need, uh, even to add a little more definition on somebody, you just add a little bit of dark dark uh, powder underneath uh, cheeks and whatnot, and then, yeah, you can make someone look a little bit more gaunt. Another question. Why don't they just leave Hannibal and Will and Gideon cells from last season? Like, did he, t- like, cop a plea or something? What is his money keeping him in a good room? Like, I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I brought this up in the last episode. I said, why does his room keep getting bigger? Yeah. <laughs> it's like in the first one, um, Manhunter, it was a tiny little, like, white cell with bars, and then the next one was slightly bigger, but oh, bricked, that. kind of more basement-y, but it's bigger. It's at least two or three times size the size of a normal cell, mm-hmm. typical cell. And then, yeah, Hannibal's in the TV show. It's just, like, <laughs> bigger than most people's bedrooms. <laughs> well, it's know? bigger than my apartment, that freaking room. Like, I didn't, like, I think I mentioned it er- later, but, um, like, did I mention it? So this in the next episode? or the, But I didn't notice he had a bed in there or not, because it didn't, like, it just looked like a living room. And yeah. I was just, he does. Like, yeah, I know he does, does, but I was just, like, so confused when he got up off of it. And I was like, oh, he has a bed in there. I didn't notice that. <laughs> Let's see how big his room is in, uh... Yeah, his room is tiny in Manhunter. Mm-hmm. All white in his room. Yeah, it's like a normal jail cell in Manhunter. Yeah, but I think I mentioned in the previous, previous episode, too, is logic i can think of why his, his his cell is so big is he needs to be stimulated or else he'll be bored and try and get out, get out yeah oh i and, see uh hannibal's cell in red dragon the movie looks like the one gideon and will were in in the show mm-hmm. but yeah i think that's that's the point yeah like he probably needs to be stimulated or that um yeah did you big, see all the books behind him yeah exactly <laughs> What is he doing? Does 
Like, I, I think um, if this were a real person, though, Alana was probably getting a lot of shit from people who were like, why is this Why is this fucking killer getting all the stuff? Like, why is it... Like, I, I imagine that Freddie Lance probably being like, why is he getting blah, blah, blah? Like, why is he getting three-course mirrors with Chilton? Like, yeah. But I, I don't know why I wrote this note. Is that a body? I don't know whether we're in somebody's mind or in somebody's memory. I don't know why I wrote that now. <laughs> is that a body? For which scene? Oh, wait, wait, what's before and after uh, this? Because they're in the prison. Mm-hmm. And then it jumps to uh, Franz- young Francis and his grandmother. So I don't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> I don't think there was a body. Yeah, I'm not sure. What was the quote? Like, uh, is that a, bo- like, because they're in jail. Mm-hmm. And then I said, is that a body? I don't know whether we are in someone's mind or in someone's memory. Look that up. I'm look up the episode. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let's move on. But <laughs> So the scene with the old people at the table is a scene of young Francis and his grandmother who ran an old folks home. Also, projecting film always seems like the hobby of a pervert. <laughs> I think Red Dragon has ruined it. <laughs> like, cause I like, I don't know. I'm doing um, I'm doing a talk this weekend about videography, and I'm just it, basically I'm all for digital because digital made it possible. Hold on, we're pouring some wine. One second. Please have another glass, <laughs> listeners. So I love digital because it it makes it easier for people in um in non-wealthy communities to get into filmmaking so I love it and I can stand people who are like oh film is the best thing ever like but it's just like 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 it always looks perverted when somebody uses like projecting film (laughs) like it looks gross to me well like Fight Club like Fight Club's another scene where they have like gross projectionists um the scene I'm just like rambling on now well, well, no, I'm just, I just, uh, I just, I just don't agree. That's all. <laughs> so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but you, you know, I don't have a valid like, you know, you know what, Sonia? I'm just sitting here going, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a filmmaker, so I can't really say anything. <laughs> but I really like the effect of Francis's red dragon tail. It looks alive. Like mm. I, that was one of my favorite things. I wonder if it was a prosthesis. Looked pretty cool. Well, it looked CGI to me. What kind of like? It had, like, the heft of it, though. I thought it was, like, an actual, like, rubber thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. It looked kind of, like, eesh. No, guys, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just figured that was the attitude I was taking at this point. Like, no, you're wrong. Chocolates. This is sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure changing. it's CGI, though. Okay. Well, I'm I'll pretty have... sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty, pretty sure it's all CGI. Okay. But they really have the budget C- for it. Yeah, it looks really good CGI, though. Like, usually CGI looks terrible. Like, spo- uh, I saw Infinity War, and so there was some pretty dodgy CGI in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but moving on, I love yeah. that Will and Jimmy care more about the animals in this case than the family. <laughs> They're mean. Like, real life. <laughs> it's like, what happened to the cat? Who cares? <laughs> like... It's fine. <laughs> but I love Jimmy Price. Jimmy Price is my favorite. I mm. wish we could interview um, Scott Thompson for the show just because I want to talk, pick his brain. I know, right? I love him. Aww. Aww. Oh, I just realized we skipped over something when we were oh. talking about Freddie. Go ahead. Mm. Murder husbands. <laughs> <laughs> That's now, a fun frick term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the way I, I, I remember reading somewhere. Murder Husbands actually came from the fans. Yeah. And it was a huge fucking deal that it made it in the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it it started in season two that they were calling Hannibal and Will Murder Husbands. Mm -hmm. And so since season three, like, like, no hate on everybody, but season three really is a fan-centered... Um, like, like, there's a lot of fan baiting in it, mm-hmm. which I, like, sometimes enjoy, sometimes I don't like. Because when I saw the murder husbands thing, I'm like, oh no, people are going to become worse. And so, like, when it first aired. <laughs> but I thought it was, if it would come from anybody, it would come from Freddy. Yeah. So I, was I like, mean, oh, cool. it would make, at least made sense coming from Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to add that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Uh, but I, nothing ever good happens to people living in secluded areas surrounded by trees. Let this be a lesson to you. Live in an apartment. <laughs> so, so it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this case Apparently. is. That's what Sonia said. She basically said, Live in an apartment. Inter- it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, well, I wonder if I should jump to um, what our case is about this week. Because that's something similar. That was a similar MO. The Red Dragon MO is similar to this week's case. So oh, sounds okay. like a great segue. <laughs> okay, that's a good segue then. Okay. <laughs> so... 
This is a good time as any to discuss this week's Under the Table True Crime segment, The East Area Rapist or the Original Night Stalker, a.k.a. The Golden State Killer. As discussed last episode at the time of that recording, the bastard had just been caught and we're after Zodiac next. So mm. hopefully we catch the Zodiac. Um, so <laughs> let, let me play one of the creepy phone. Like, so I wonder if I should play this last. I'll play it last time. Okay. So The Golden State Killer... Is a 2013 moniker coined for a serial killer, serial rapist, and serial burglar who committed at least 12 murders, more than 50 rapes, and over 100 burglaries in California from 74 to 86. Hmm. He committed crimes throughout the state and acquired various monikers in different regions before it was known that they were all the same person. It has long been suspected that the training ground of the criminal who would later become the Golden State Killer was Visala, California. In a crime spree spanning April 74 to December 75, the Vissela Ransacker, as he was known, is to believe to be responsible for one murder and more than 100 burglaries. Most of the Ransacker's activities involved breaking into houses, rifling through or vandalizing the owner's possessions, scattering women's underclothes, and stealing a range of low-value items while often ignoring banknotes and higher-valued items in plain sight. The East Area Rapist is believed to have moved to the Sacramento area and progressed from burglary to rape in the mid-1976. In mid-1976, The crimes initially centered on the then-unincorporated areas of Carmichael, Citrus Heights, and Rancho Cordova, all east of Sacramento. His initial M.O. was to stalk middle-class neighborhoods at night looking for women who were alone in a single-story home, usually near a school, creek, trail, or other open space that afforded a quick escape. He was spotted on a number of occasions, but sprinted away upon detection. On one occasion, he shot and seriously wounded a youth who had closely pursued him. Uh, Most victims had seen or heard a prowler on their property before the attacks. I'm currently reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which is focusing on the Golden State Killer. There's um, a bit in the book where she describes a dog catching him. Mm-hmm. And he stabs the dog, and the dog ended up having to get like seventy stitches. And mm-hmm. so, like, and this is like ra- like days before the rape actually happened, because the woman, uh, when the cops were canvassing the area after, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this weird thing happened where my dog got stabbed." Like, because she was like, "We tried to find like some implement that had stabbed him, but like nothing." So like weird shit would happen before he would appear. Mm. So um. Police believe that the offender had a pattern of using extensive reconnaissance on several homes in the targeted neighborhood before selecting one for attack. As part of his extensive surveillance, the offender was known to peep in the windows of future victims and prowl in the yards of homes for several nights prior to attacking. On a few occasions, it is believed that, in the run-up to attacks, the offender entered the homes of future victims to conduct reconnaissance, unlock windows, unload guns, and plant blinding ligatures for binding ligatures for later use he would also frequently call them leading up to the attack sometimes for months in advance to better understand their daily schedules and routines in those calls he would sometimes hang up pretend to have the wrong number or in calls placed after the attack threaten to harm the victims again uh, although he originally targeted women either alone in their homes or with children the offender later came to prefer attacking couples instead his standard procedure was to break in through a window or in a sliding glass door and then awaking the sleeping occupants with a flashlight while threatening them with a handgun. Victims were then bound with ligatures, often shoelaces, that he found or bought with him to the crime scene, followed by blindfolding and gagging the victims with towels that he had taken from the residence and ripped into strips. The female victim was usually forced to tie up her male companion first before being tied up next. In many cases, these bindings were made so tightly that the victims had no feeling in their hands for hours after they were untied. He then separated the couple, often stacking dishes on the back of the male and stating that if he heard them rattle, he would kill everyone in the house. He would then relocate the female to the living room and often rape her repeatedly, sometimes over the course of several hours. That's inappropriate, but that dishes thing is actually very clever. Yeah, it's really creepy too, because like, um, like I was thinking about it and I tried to balance it on like on myself, and I'm like without moving, and it's like, oh my god, like I would kill my whole family basically. <laughs> right. The East Area Rapist moved to Southern California where he struck in Santa Barbara County for the first time in October. These lasted until 1981 with a lone attack in 86 and marked a darker turn as the rapist also began to kill his victims. Only the couple in the first attack would survive to, due to them alerting neighbors and forcing the intruder to flee. All other victims were murdered either by gunshot or bludgeoning. As the East Area Rapist wasn't linked to these crimes until decades later, he became known as the Night Stalker in the area before later being renamed the original Night Stalker after Richard Ramirez more famously gained the moniker. 
Golden State Killer would, as mentioned before on this podcast, contact his victims later to harass them. And here is one of the recordings. I played it in the past, but yeah, if I have to live with this, you guys all have to. Sue, but on April 6, 2001, Jesus Christ, yeah, that gave me shivers. Well, and well, um, I got headphones on. <laughs> so, on April 6, 2001, one day after an article was published in the Sacramento Bee that confirmed the original Night Stalker and the East Area Rapist were the same person, a victim of the East Area Rapist received a call because she was still living in the same home where he attacked her, but she had changed her last name. And he asked her, Remember when he, we played before hanging up? On April 25, 2018, authorities announced the arrest of a suspect 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo Jr., a former police officer, on eight counts of first-degree murder based on DNA evidence. However, due to California's statute of limitations on pre-2017 rape cases, D'Angelo now cannot be charged for such crimes dating back from the late 70s. Law enforcement also announced that separate incidents in Vasella in 74 and 75 that were previously attributed to the Vasella ransacker are now being connected to the same suspect. But yeah, like, I've been, uh, the reason I wanted to do this case is because I've been reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and I had to stop reading it before bed because I could keep getting terrified. Because <laughs> I'm, like, just, like, imagining someone bursting into my room with a, with a flashlight and blinding me. Because it's very similar to, we find out later, Red Dragon's M.O. Like, he does that, too. Like, he did that in the movie where he will burst in on somebody, and the flash of his cameras would wake them up. And mm. it was, like, really creepy stuff, but yeah. That's uh, look it up more. Like the book, uh, I'll be gone in the dark is really good. I'm really that was so creepy, and so gross. <laughs> yeah, like Ugh. especially when he was like, um, it says it like this book, uh, I'll be gone in the dark, was published before they caught the the East Area rapist. But she mentions in the book that she knows that he might be a cop because he would change certain behaviors once the cops knew that he was they were catching on. So mm. like they thought he might have a scanner on him when he was going out and stuff like that. Like it's a really creepy guy. That's what. So it was like a police police officer. Oh my god! I know it's like oh, never trust the cops. Except for Lorimer, Lorimer's cool. We love him. We love him. He's good. Mm. He's one of the good ones. And Jake Peralta from B and I Nine. Yeah, I think uh, after I read the book, um, shit, what's it called? Something monsters. Just a second. But it's uh, a book about serial killers, and uh, the back of it, it, it has one chapter that says how to not die from a serial killer or whatever. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's not literally a how-to guide. It's, like, it's just, him. Yeah. it's just more like you know. Okay, after you read <laughs> this book and you've learned all these statistics and all these behaviors, here's what it's almost like a wrap-up of this is what we've learned. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what's it called? Here's the book. All right. It is called, I might have mentioned it before in a pa- past podcast, Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters. Yeah, the, the book uh, Method and Madness has this chapter at the end of it that's, you know, kind of like how to not die from a serial killer. One thing that I, I took to heart in there, it says occasionally, just for your own safety, depending where you are in the world, obviously, and all that, is to switch up your routine. Yeah. Yeah, don't always like do like, yeah, if you got the nine to five job, it's a little bit harder to do. But it's like, don't always take the same route. Don't always take the same, you know, uh, bus ride. Or if you do something with your car, like maybe go out for drinks that night. Or just like always switch up your routine every once in a while. Because unfortunately, yeah, if you just do a, you know, one, two, three routine every day, you kind of set yourself up as a potential victim. Yeah. Which at the same time, too, I'm kind of like, well, just don't kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to watch over? Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't just aimed at women. It was also aimed at men. Because also, like, if you're a man and you have a regular routine and you have, say, a family at home, that still puts your home as a potential target. Yeah. And it's not necessarily just for, like, killing either. Because, you know, killers usually escalate, right? First they start off as robberies or they start off as assaults. Or stealing, like, underwear. Yeah, yeah. just like um, the person you yeah. talk about. Yeah, it starts off small. Small petty crimes. But then it doesn't, it's not enough. And then they have yeah. to escalate. Then, then it's got to get bigger. So I, I always remember, I always remember that was 
always change up your routine. And then I thought, well, I do almost every <laughs> couple of years or every couple of months, my routine changes. And I just, so I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. Well, it's how one of uh, the BTK victims survived because he was hiding in her house and she just randomly decided to go stay with a friend. Mm-hmm. And then he left her a letter saying like, okay, yeah, come here and show up. <laughs> Signed BTK. And I was like, oh, like gross. Yeah, that would be I like, Jesus Christ. You. <laughs> he actually wrote a crappy poem about her too. Let me find it. <laughs> it's like, I had this whole thing planned and you ruined it by not coming home. It's a good thing I don't really have a routine. <laughs> I know, right? But it kind of yeah. sucks for people who do because no they can't really help it like they work yeah. and they go home and that's that's it exactly like obviously it really depends where you are and all this but like that's just one piece of advice that the book gave was to switch yeah. up your routine occasionally if you can especially if it really is like one two three like mm-hmm. it can be something yeah, yeah. as benign as just that yeah just walking to work passing the same stores passing the same little shops or something there could be someone inside who just happens to notice Oh, you're there all the time. But at the same time, too... Somebody will notice if you're not there. Exactly. Yeah. Someone will notice if your routine suddenly changes. So it'll be just like... Mm. It's also like a weird safety net, too. Yeah. That's yeah. what I always do, too. But yeah, so BTK's uh, was attempted to kill Anna Williams, but she wasn't home. And he waited impatiently, and when she didn't come home, he left, taking with her, taking with him several personal articles. And in June of the same year, Anna received a letter containing a, fo- a poem from BTK, a sketch, and some of the items he had stolen. And the poem goes, Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? It was a perfect plan of deviant pleasure so bold on that spring night. My inner fel- filling hot with propension of the new awaking season, warm, wet with inner fear and rapture, my pleasure of entanglement like new vines at night. Yeah, and it goes on like that. I'm not going to do it anymore, but like, it's really creepy. And that's when I take that letter and go... <laughs> It's like burning. <laughs> oh, but yeah, like it's something like change up your routine. But yeah, like don't be one of those people. Like let people know you. Like, like people like like I'm hoping that like people will look out for each other. Like uh, that's one of the things I really mm. loved reading about the Night Stalker case was finding out how many people were trying to stop it. Like just by like forming like not roving gangs, but like night watches and stuff. So it's pretty mm-hmm. cool to see that people weren't going to just like let this happen. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. But yeah, like, uh, moving on, mm. um, I really love how the Tatler looks like an old school inquirer. Like, it looks I know, so she, cool. I like how she kind of jumped from uh, being online to an actual printed thing, so I'm like, oh, good for you're, her. You're a legit, you know, <laughs> shit tabloid now. Good for you. It's all my crappy paper that leaks and stuff, and I'm like, this looks so cool. It's Living like, the dream. Yeah, it's like, uh, she's always out to make a buck, and I can respect that. So it's so cool. But one thing I wanted to mention, I love Richard Armitage's voice as friends. Francis, it's my favorite thing. Like, I just love that. I like how he was able to do the cleft palette thing. Ralph Fiennes didn't do it in Red Dragon, and I appreciate the attention to detail. On well, that. Ralph Fiennes tried. There's, like, one scene when he's talking with the blind lady that he tries, but it's, like... Then he just gives up. And then yeah. it just disappears after that. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. <laughs> I tried. Uh, and Reba is my favorite character. I really love her. Rat- She's Rutina cute. Rutina Wesley? That's her name, Reba? Yeah. Yeah, Reba. Yeah. Rutina Wesley. I know, I really liked her too, but then I got scared because every time I like a character, <laughs> they're going to die. But Rutina Wesley plays Reba and she is gorgeous. She's beautiful. Yeah, I also appreciate her love of the digital format. Take that film. Because <laughs> 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 I love that question where she's like, yeah, it'd probably be easier to use digital if you're trying to film stuff at night. And he's like, no, I gotta use the film stock. Like, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> creeping me out. Well, I don't know. I think she was just offering the best professional advice. I don't know if it's necessarily a preference because she obviously works in film development. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm, but she so. likes the ease of digital. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because film, like, is, like, such shit to work with. I hate film. Like, it's so hard to work with. It's so touchy. Like, not saying I wouldn't work with IMAX film if I got the chance, but... Mm. Oh, I remember trying to do, uh, trying to help uh, uh, load uh, uh, live film in a camera one time. And it did work. I did do it, but it was just, it was so nerve wracking because your hands are surrounded by a black bag and you have you to do it all in the dark. dark. Yeah. So it's just like, shit, I hope I didn't do it. <laughs> but the only time I did like this when I was developing my own photography. That was actually really fun. I loved working. Oh, that. that makes you like a detective. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, just a that was probably, really one of, probably one of my favorite classes in uh, 
Artie Parker was uh, my uh, graphics class, and that yeah. was a, part of it was a photography unit, and we actually had to develop our own pictures. Oh, that's pretty cool. But yeah. I love how she mentions that he'd have to like basically develop that film in a like a completely dark mm. room, and like like only she could probably do it. But like, I love that because you no, know, she's blind, so she's perfect. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh yeah, she like she's like that's the one thing I hate about Red Dragon. Like if. If things had been better, like if Reba had met him earlier, maybe she could have stopped everything. Like, not that not that I'm putting it on her, but like if Francis had met Reba earlier, if when, only he had met the shining light sooner. Yeah, he exactly. might have found his way out of the dark. Yeah. Oh, JJ, <laughs> put that on a card. <laughs> you know, that's beautiful. I do like all the fan fiction still pairs them together, and then sometimes like in Alpha Beta Omega, uh, she, uh, he's a. Uh, there's another weird thing in there where, um, is it betas? I don't fucking know. But anyway, she's usually the, not an alpha, but she's the, the, the male seed. <laughs> and that's the weird, weird things too. <laughs> and alpha, beta, omega, dynamics no is also, um, is a female can be an alpha and she's actually the, the, the seed. Whereas the man who can also be a omega or beta is the carrier will be the, I am very confused so. about this yeah, concept. Like, <laughs> All I can say is just uh, pick one, <laughs> read it. Each one does the anatomy and science and biology a little different, but they're all mm. relatively the same. So, oh, but I like that we find out that Francis drives a serial killer van, white panel with no windows. I know, yeah. right? Every time I see a van like that driving in town, I'm just like. <laughs> to make it a mental note but then usually you get a glimpse inside and you actually see like construction and it's like paint stuff it's like oh okay you're legit but still but remember suspicious when was, Silence of the Lambs like he like Buffalo Bill had that van like it was like terrifying but like everybody knows that kind of van is bad news yeah <laughs> suspicious usually they put like free candy on the side yeah that's what I wrote here seems legit <laughs> but I love the cute awkwardness of Reba and Francis mm. it would be sweet if it weren't for the fact that he just murdered 10 people I know right yeah it's like it's it's like that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer thing we were talking about because uh, my friend Dahmer tried to sympathize him a lot and I yeah. and I really didn't like that but I, in this case I like it because you see the the struggle it's causing within him like he's trying to stop. Yeah, at least I find with Red Dragon, despite the fact that yeah he's killed you know children and all that, I don't I don't want to call it sympathy so much as I have a better understanding for him mm-hmm. because it probably is a mix of nature and nurture yeah whereas i think nature what's the word i'm looking for exacerbated exacerbated that that word made worse (laughs) (laughs) what was already like um festering yeah just because the whole you know him thinking the red dragon is talking to him and all this and him like contorting himself and you know do you think that he's like lonely because he doesn't really like interact with people well that's what i'm thinking i'm wondering if he has some form of schizophrenia Mm. that's never mentioned in the books because i don't think anyone ever says that he does but i honestly think he probably has some kind of mental disorder and that's probably why he separates himself from people Mm. just because he can't really it's hard to explain those your ticks and yeah (laughs) like every time you know he's like reading a magazine he's alone and he actually tries his best talking to um to Reba, yeah, Reba. Mm-hmm. yeah. which is sweet because like I really like that because like he's really quiet like he waits for her to speak first I think like I can't remember the exact scene but I think he like well he was talking okay and then once uh, she mentioned the that she uh, was speech therapy, speech therapy, speech therapy yeah. that's when he stopped talking yeah like what did I write here um I love how sullen Francis gets when Reba mentions speech therapy and how Reba notices like I really love that it's so cute. She wants Mr. D's D is what I meant. <laughs> I'm also surprised she's so charmed by him. Yeah, I'm just like, I think she's just because she doesn't sense that he pities her. Which is what oh, she says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that he conducts himself differently around her. And it's, uh, it's really his own self-consciousness about he thinks he is. And has nothing to do with her. So I think for her, that's very refreshing. It's yeah, just like, like people, yeah. he's not rushing immediately to help her and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, it's really cool. I really like, and um, like, what did I write? Uh, the fact that criminality is at odds with normal family life, this arc makes me sad. 
they looked into the abyss and the abyss looks back. Because, like, everybody wants a normal family life in this in this season. Like, Will and Francis. Hmm. And, um, like, it's it seems like a struggle between them wanting to be the dark side and them wanting to go back to, like, good stuff. And I'm like, in Francis's case, I wanted him to go back. I wish he had killed the red... Like, in the book, he doesn't kill the red dragon. But, yeah, like, it's just like, <laughs> I want them to be together. <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite pairing. But <laughs> I wrote a fun fact here. I was like, I always wanted to play a blind person in a film because <laughs> I think I could be wrong, but I think I would do a pretty good job at it because I am legally blind without my glasses, oh. <laughs> at least for driving. <laughs> like if I take them off, I can still see. I'll probably be Decent. okay, but I'll be like giving everybody the squint. <laughs> the Clint Eastwood squint as I walk. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes is like, it's so hard to shave my legs because it's so hard to see in the shower because I'm legally blind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's always like a patch of hair that's like left on my leg and I can see it with my glasses and broad light. Like, I was like, no. <laughs> well, exactly. I thought like I'm not actually like blind blind because I can, you know, shower fine <laughs> without my glasses. And fall, Lucky. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm blind as a bat. Yeah, <laughs> really? I, can't, I can't do the shaving legs thing either. I'm scared to do the shaving thing actually because I, I keep thinking like I'll – yeah, I'll miss something. <laughs> or I'll oh, just, I already, I already I'll like, nip my leg a little bit right there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I live on the dangerous yeah. side. But you know how, like, when you lose your glasses sometimes, and then you, you, there's that light panic of, and then you do that, you know. The padding. The, the, the pad. <laughs> padding everywhere. Like, where is it? Where is it? Because like, I'm panic. Because now it's like you can't see. It's like probably one of the, it's, it's like anything when you lose one of your senses. It's like, what's going on? What's going on? Well, that's my biggest fear. Like um, in Pacific Rim, there's that scene where Newt is in the in, in the fallout shelter and mm. somebody knocks his glasses off. Right. That, that is like my biggest fear. Like to be in a situation where something bad is happening and not oh, be able like to see Oh, like the end it. of the world? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. That is my biggest fear that as is well. Well, like, how my, am I supposed to find another? Other glasses that I can see out of. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I'm blind forever. No, like that's my biggest fear. That's why I wanted to get laser eye surgery. I'm like, if the end of the world happens, I'm okay. Because <laughs> so, how many optometrists are there going to be in the new yeah. world? <laughs> I mean, you can actually do a good business where you just collect glasses and the end of the world. <laughs> just to be ready. But, but I said it before, and I'll say it again. This show has given me a fetish for Hugh Dancy covered in blood. I love that. <laughs> And I love how Hannibal's just being a bitch this episode. Like, I love his lack of fucks. Mm. Like, it's just like, oh. Like, I think he's just being like a bitter, like, ex lover. Yeah, I think so, yeah. He reminds me of me. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing the shade. (laughs) Although I felt kind of bad for Will, like, after he talks with Molly and all that, and there's kind of that weird, awkward conversation. But, uh, like, he will wakes up in a sweat. The nightmares are back. And it's oh, like, I know. and then he sees himself in the mirror, and that little piece breaks off. So he's already being affected by the whole red dragon thing, and mm. it's just like, I'm like, ah, our poor sweaty baby is back. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> he's <"Dad>, back. Sweaty <laughs> baby had a life. <laughs> he could have been. But that like moment with him and Molly was super cute. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, I, was that like, was so I like seeing him normal. Like I want he him was normal. laughing. And I'm like, oh. Uh, I love that. What's coming is just making me ha- unhappy. I'm I already, like, I already know. Well, I, I theorize what's going to happen just of all the hints you gave me throughout like the t- three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be fun. <laughs> We're just going to be sitting there going. So yeah. I found the whole conversation awkward. Actually, like after like when I first saw the show, I thought, yeah, that's cute. That looks sweet. But after multiple watches, I'm kind of like, it's almost like where. Still getting to know someone in a relationship, you you know, you've gotten past all, like, you know, the weirdness a little bit, but there's still quite, you're, you're almost like in the middle, right, between, like, you know, dating and married. And I don't say, I don't mean literally married, but you like know, partners, yeah. where you're so comfortable with each yeah. other that you can fart in front of each other and not, not bad Speaking eyelash. of, um, my sister and her boyfriend, like, I'm so comfortable in front of him, like, I accidentally farted when he's going, I'm like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. You become so comfortable with someone. You doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship, yeah. but you get so comfortable. So anyway, I still think they're like almost right in between, actually. That's what that conversation felt to me. Like, I know you enough to make you laugh. I know you enough to make me laugh. And it was kind of this, but then when she said... You know, uh, even a criminal mind, even at that age. And then, then there was a pause. Have a criminal I don't mind. have a criminal yeah. mind. And then she's like, I know. It was like she was trying to do a joke, but it backfired on her. And, and then it was like, uh. so to me, I almost feel like we're getting our first hints of, and I'm trying to do this without spoilers, <laughs> our first hints of 
He's not really that person? He wasn't actually in a relationship with her. He was pretending, like, Aww. like it was like a facade. Thank you for making me sad. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but I think in Watch that conversation too. again yeah. and think of it that way it, where, like, he, like, d- let's just pretend for shits and giggles that Will's been faking it this whole time, though I think he's really been trying. Again, with pretend that he was faking. And then you'll feel it. And it's just, that's what it, to me, that's why. Well, I, I think she really does care about him, too. Well, no, like, no, no. I, I think in the case of. Like, I think she, she does. I just think Will just never fully gave himself over to Molly, to me, from my, my point mm-hmm. of view. As much as I would have loved I don't they think he did. Can. But I, yeah. I think I he think was he happy with her, but I don't think he gave his heart to her. Yeah. yeah it was stuck with you know who. <laughs> Freaking <laughs> But it's just bothersome to me because I'm like, um, I, I feel bad for Molly in this case because she has a son, right? And Ooh. in the book, he's called Willie, uh, which is kind of confusing since like Will Graham. Yeah. W- Will is his name too. Hmm. But I think you can name Josh in the show. But yeah, like, so like. Wasn't she... it Walter? Oh, Walter. Yeah, it's Walter. Oh, it's Walter in the show. It's Josh in the movie. Anyway, uh, so Walter is like um, him trying to prove he can be a good person, I guess. Mm. But I'm like, I like that Molly, like, as we'll see later, Molly is in it for him, for Walter, not for Will, not for, like, and she's not going to let anything happen to him. Mm. And I really love that about her. Like, that, yeah, like, uh, people are always, like, um, I really hate in relationships when the woman will choose the man over the kids. Mm. That bothers me so much. I hate oh, that. There's yeah. actually things like Yeah, that. there's things like that. Like, my my parents, uh, my, my dad, for example, like, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning that, but my, his, <laughs> his mother died when he was young. His dad was an asshole. Like, I still hate that old man. Glad he's dead. So, but when he remarried my step-grandmother, the step-grandmother said, okay, our family's the only one that matters. Your, your other kids can get get lost. And he's like, okay, kicks them out. Oh, my and, God. And so, like, and so I always hate that idea because it's like, the kids should matter more and your partner should realize that. Especially if they're not the, the father of that of that child. They should know that that child holds a like a special place in the heart of the of your partner, right? That you can't touch. So, so you like, have half siblings? No, uh, no, no, no. I mean, my step grandmother. Oh, yeah. So I have step aunts. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I was like, for a second, I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have step siblings. Yeah, but my dad like was bounced around from family to family, so it just like it's really bothersome to me. So that's always a touchy subject to me when people will immediately like, especially in cases of sexual assault where hmm. a parent won't believe the kid because their partner's the one committing it. I'm like, oh, Ew, punch yeah. in the face. Ugh. And so anything, like, I, I don't know, ever since Porkchop, uh, like Celeste's uh, nephew, ever since he came into our lives, I, I take it more seriously now. <laughs> even though I'm like, what are we talking about? Porkchop's not even my child. Like, <laughs> how bad would it be if I had a child? But you know what? I, I, I call that, that's just our indigenous upbringing. You know, you, you know, aunties are like surrogate moms, mm, you know? So yeah. it's just, just the way it is, so. Yeah, you look after everybody. Yeah, it takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> but um so Francis talking to Hannibal sounds like me when I talk to people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna say I think you're mean. <laughs> breathing heavily into the phone. Yeah, I hate the show for calling me out. <laughs> I mentioned in the next episode, like which I have my notes written for, um, the way Hannibal says hello fucking kills me. <laughs> Like, hello. <laughs> which, which hello? Uh, the hello, I think he says it at the end of the episode. Where he's yeah, the very fun. last scene. Yeah, oh, he's oh. Just like, he's just so happy. Just hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably like, someone wants to talk to me. Oh, he sounded so cute. <laughs> he probably looks as much like, I think he also makes fun of his lawyer in the movie. I don't think he does in the TV show. Not as much, but in the movie he yeah. does, yeah. In the movie he says to, to Will, uh, he's like, uh, yeah, my lawyer is always pushing Dr. Chilton for more, uh, for better conditions and all this and all that. I'm not sure who is the greater fool. <laughs> so I always, then I thought, I wonder if it's because of uh, Hannibal's really good lawyer that his cells also so yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and they're probably, they're probably still giving him, like, getting case, like, missing person cases solved by him, too, like, if they keep talking to him, like... Uh, I'm reading, well, the book, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. There's a cop they talk to who mentions that, um, this criminal's trying to get more, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, get more stuff out of him. She's like, well, if I get better conditions, maybe I can, like, maybe it'll loosen my tongue. And the cop is like, oh, fuck you, you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, what? <laughs> but hold on, say something. I want to, I want to look for that episode real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, the whole, um, 
Well, I guess, isn't it? Previously, uh, Hannibal uh, is being consulted. Isn't that inspired from uh, Jim Bundy? Uh, Jim Bundy. Uh, uh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Jim. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Ted Bundy. So it's, and Ted Bundy, I remember, uh, allegedly did the same thing. He said, uh, I can oh. remember more things. I could be more helpful if, if, yeah, he tried if you to, let me live. <laughs> but when, they were like, no. He was in jail and they, uh, he was offer, he was writing reports on how to find the Green River Killer, which mm-hmm. like absolutely helped nothing at all because the Green River Killer was completely different from him. But he's like, you need my help. You can't kill me. And then he's like, no, we technically we can. Like the governor actually even told him like he fucking sucked and we were, mm-hmm. they weren't going to end the thing. Hold on, I'm looking at the scene. Hold on, where is it? Your attorney. I don't know if it's this episode or the next one. <laughs> man, that jumpsuit is so tailored. A romper, for, but for a man. Yeah. <gasps> Nanper. <laughs> yes. I like how he just takes it and strides like a, you're not my lawyer. <laughs> well, it's not boring. So. Something new. It's like the conversation I had to bottom. <laughs> Hold on, I want to. We're gonna skip uh, that episode just because I want to see the beginning when he's talking to him. Oh, no, I'll save it for the next episode. Are you sure you, know, you don't mean when he picks up the phone when uh, he's talking with Abigail in the kitchen? No, says, it's a different Because uh, <laughs> like, I do distinctly remember it's when he's talking to Francis. Cause it's like, okay, all right. Yeah. So it's the next, uh, it's next, next episode. episode. Okay, yeah. okay. But it fucking killed me. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> he's so happy you're in prison. But anyway, let's see. Where are we? Uh, but yeah, I hate the show for calling me out. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. But I wanted to, uh, we've come to the end of the episode. What is your favorite part of this episode and least favorite and why? Celeste. Mm, my favorite part of this episode is probably like the cute little moment, even though JJ disagrees with <laughs> it. I thought it was super cute. <laughs> she called him Sweet Man. I mean, like, what kind of cute nickname is that? <laughs> and like the whole like, like, Randy the dog like situation. Oh yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and like Will laughing, oh, it's so cute. And uh, least favorite, probably like, the Hannibal's flashbacks of Abigail. Like, I just it just so messed up and like in my mind, mm. like you know, taking her blood and like her ear, and she's like totally okay with it. And then she like spliced her like dead dad's neck too. It was super gross. Ugh. I just I. I don't. I just. I want to be done with Abigail. Already. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's very. Yeah, that was kind of a weird thing, right? Hannibal just dug him up, put him in a suit, yeah, and like, here you super, go, baby. Super, super <laughs> oh yeah, that part. I totally forgot about that. Oh yeah, that's what, what I was talking about. Like, is oh, that the, the body. Dead yeah. yeah. Oh, that creeped me out because like all the embalming fluid and like that, that out came out. <laughs> but that's weird. I didn't think they would bother with embalming fluid for him, but I, you know, whatever. Well. Open casket. You gotta make sure he's in there. But why would there be one? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't well, know. Well, I know why there'd be one in our case. We're Crees. We want to make sure that we got what we paid for, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand why the Crees have so many open casket funerals. Like, I've been to so many. It's like, I want to see someone cremated. It'll probably be me, but we'll see. Oh, sorry. The last funeral I went to was a cremated funeral. And uh, my friend was actually more sad to see it go because... They just took, like, the ashes, Aww. and they put it in the car, and they just drove off. And they didn't really, you know, see them get buried. Like, it wasn't, like, final in their eyes. Aww. So I guess it was more sad to them. I think in my case, if, why we discussed this, or how we wanted her remains donated. I just want mine dumped in the sea. Like, I want to go, like, Killmonger and Black Panther. That's how I want to go. Not Disneyland. How would you change it with your favorite? <laughs> yeah, scatter my remains. <laughs> and not cremate me. <laughs> I guess all my favorite are just uh, that beginning scene because it's right away. That's the first thing I thought of was the alphabet omega stuff. So <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, this is just perpetuating it, making it worse than the fandom <laughs> at the time when it aired." Anyway, it's it's starting to peter off just a little. It's uh, you know, the fandom's still there, very much, very strong. Oh yeah, like I really love that. Yeah. Just shouting out to people, I really love um, all the um, the Hannibal extended universe fanfic that's going out. Like I, know, I really right? am enjoying it. Yeah. Like I don't like Hanagram, but you guys are making me like Hanagram in other forms. In other yeah, versions. like all the alternate universes are really cute, and it's a nice way to keep that pairing going, but with but new stuff. With, with new stuff, it's actually mm. really cute. Let's see, what do I dislike? 
Um, I don't know if I dislike anything. Oh, wait. Yeah, I do. The whole conversation between Molly and Will. <laughs> well, I would say I don't, it's not like a matter of disliking. It's just I see it differently now, and it's yeah. not as cute as I... So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more like a sad instead of not liking it. So it's like... Uh, like, but I'm trying really hard not to spoil it. And I could be wrong. <laughs> Other people totally interpret that the relationship is true true blue the entire way. Well, I don't think it's like true love, but it's a, they're a happy couple in my eyes. Well, yeah, exactly. A lot of people still defend that. So in a way, I'm not spoiling. But mm. others theorize that it was never truly happy. So Aww. that's all. So that, that's me. Anyway. <laughs> What's my favorite? Um, I think my favorite was Hannibal finally getting to speak to the Red Dragon. That was pretty cool. I love that scene. Especially since it's just a scene where Mass is reacting to things. Like, mm. I really like scenes like that because they're very, very hard to do because you need someone to react off of, right? And, the person and usually it's just the director or the script supervisor reading the line to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he has to take it so seriously. I really love that scene. What I didn't like, uh, Murder Husbands, because I hate the fan pandering <laughs> of this season. It's just dragging up. Like, like, the fa- like uh, because, um, like, fan baiting? I guess that's what they call it. Fan. What do they call it? Fan. Like, appealing to the fan base always makes me feel terrible. Like, because it's so awkward and gross to me. It's I like, like it at small doses. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It's just, it's just embarrassing to me. It's like when you, like, accidentally, like, um, walk out with your dress in your underwear. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it reminds me of. It's just like, ooh, secondhand embarrassment. But anyway, come to the end of the show. I wanted to shout out to Mass Aesthetic on Twitter, who I've been following mm. recently. She, uh, I think she said she, she has been posting a lot of really cool pictures of uh, Mass, Mass Mickelson at Cannes. So I really have been enjoying it. She's a good follower on Twitter. She's awesome. And yeah, where can we all find you on the interwebs, Celeste? You can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satumwa, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. You can find me on both Tumblr and Twitter as JJ Neeps, J-J-N-E-E-P-S. And you can also find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me as honey underscore child on Twitter, honey dash child on Tumblr, where I posted that really cool Camille Rotten um, fan mm. art of uh, Hugh Dan. Um, no, it's not Hugh Dancy. Will Graham is a mermaid. That was pretty cool. I love that yeah. picture. It was awesome. She did mention that Hannibal was probably going to make sushi out of it, but I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's been fun. But follow me on there and follow. Uh, please send us messages at HannibalSorniaBachi at Gmail. Like, we would love to hear from you because we love hearing the comments, especially the people who have been like listening consistently let me see where we're getting listens from like because we really like i know this is gonna be a short series especially because there's only three seasons in the seat in this episode it's been almost two years i know (laughs) (laughs) but it did comparatively it's short (laughs) so we've had listeners in let's see solna sweden vienna australia mountain view california u.s brooklyn new york Santa Clara, California, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, I think in Pennsylvania, hmm. King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, Bergen, Norway, and Eli, UK. So yeah, like, please send us a message, like, tell us where you're from. And again, shout out to Pat Hurd, who gave us a really nice comment. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see you next week with the next episode, which is, what is the next episode? And the woman cloth in the sun. I will explain why the titles are similar in next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.